Let's just start by thinking and asking what was and is so authoritative about Jesus' teachings. And we need to ask this because you notice that is what they're directly astonished at in this text, right? They were astonished at Jesus' teaching because he taught with such authority. And so what was that back then? And what is that still today when we read Jesus' teachings? Well, there's a lot we could say, but concerning Jesus' authority and his teaching, when we look at it, there's two huge aspects to it, two huge aspects. Number one, remember, we talked about this a while back then in chapter five, but one thing that is stunning And Jesus' teachings in history is his constant refrain of truly, truly, I say to you. Or you've heard that it was said, but I say to you. And why was that such a big deal? Well, because remember, back then, the typical rabbi would mainly base what they said on the Hebrew scriptures. Or going even further back then to the Old Testament, all the prophets knew that they would say, thus says the Lord, meaning this is what the Lord has to say to you. Because their main job was to relay the words of God. But Jesus stands up and he mainly says over and over, truly, I say to you. You hear that? And when, we, and when we break that down, what that shows us is that Jesus does see himself as uniquely authoritative and that his authority is not derivative. Or to say it another way, it isn't a borrowed authority. And this is an important point because for literally all other authority in our universe, in our world, besides God's, besides Jesus's, it is in a sense derivative. It is borrowed. It's underneath the ultimate authority of God. For example, the prophets who were speaking God's word in the Old Testament knew they were under God's ultimate authority. Or the faithful rabbis who were explaining God's word knew they were explaining God's word, just like I'm here this morning trying to explain God's word. Right? Or think about any authority that exists in our world today. The government, according to Romans 13, does have authority, but only underneath God's authority. Or the husband does have authority in the home, but only underneath Christ's authority, 1 Corinthians 11. Or shepherd elders do have authority in the local church, but only under the authority of the great shepherd, right? 1 Peter 5. Parents have authority in the home, but only underneath God's authority, Ephesians 6. And more could be said, but we get the point. But again, what about Jesus' authority? It's ultimate. It's direct. In his teachings, it's I say to you. And the point is, they noticed that back then. (laughs) And we should too. Because in essence then, what's going on is the same God who spoke directly to Moses on the mountain was speaking to these people back then. And so that's the first aspect of Jesus' authority in his teaching. But then also, Second aspect of his authority and his teaching was also seen in what he actually then said, and especially in what he claimed about himself and his centrality and his importance. And for what I mean by this, just listen to a short paragraph from the theologian I read this week, and you'll see this connects to Jesus' authority of saying, I say to you, but notice it's also specific in what Jesus says and, and how he sees himself as central place. So this is a quote I read this week. It said this, the central point is this, Jesus' entire approach in the Sermon on the Mount is not only ethical, but messianic. Jesus is not an ordinary prophet who says, thus says the Lord. Rather, he speaks in the first person, and he claims that his teaching fulfills the Old Testament, that he determines who enters the messianic kingdom, that as the divine judge, he pronounces banishment, that the true heirs of the kingdom will be persecuted for allegiance to him, and that he alone fully knows the will of the Father End quote. 
In other words, Jesus' authority in his teachings isn't only that he directly speaks with ultimate authority as I say to you, but it's also that in what he says, he makes everything ultimately about your and my relation to him. And really, that is an amazing thing that he claims that, isn't it? (laughs) Because I know we are so used to hearing that. We know Jesus does that. But just quickly, imagine yourself hearing this for the first time back then. Because no one really spoke like that back then. And no one speaks like that today. And honestly, this is, a, this is a great example of why C.S. Lewis's famous liar, lunatic, or Lord distinction, if you've heard that, really does prove true. Because think about it. Here and elsewhere, Jesus teaches this way with such authority and such centrality on himself. And so we have to say he can't be. He's not just some regular moral spiritual teacher. He isn't. He can't be that. Instead, the only options are, number one, he, he said those things, but all along he knew he was lying. And if that was the case, then he's an incredibly prideful and self-centered and crooked person. Or the second option is that he's literally crazy. That he does think he can speak directly for God. And he does think that everything centers on himself, but he's he's ultimately just mentally unstable. Or finally, option number three is he really is who he says he is. He does have such authority. He is the Lord God among us, the Savior and the King. And it is this latter option that makes the most sense and is true.